The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 71, Family and Relationships with Nicole Biscotti and Melissa Sidebotham. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Hey, it's episode 071 of the Beer EDU Podcast. I am Ben Dixon at BD, B Dixon NV on Twitter and Instagram, and my amazing partner, Kyle Anderson, you can find me on Twitter at Anderson Ed Tech. That's also my Instagram handle. And it's also AndersonEdTech.net for my blog. And then I have another Instagram, To The Edge EDU, which complements my book, To The Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk Taking, published through EduMatch Publishing. That is available on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com. And I actually found it on a site called Goodreads now as well. So that was kind of cool to see that. So. So, and like Ben, you said, episode 71, here we are. Yep. Yeah, I totally threw you off because I totally changed up how we're going to intro the show. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so I, I always, Because I feel like we start the show and we just start talking and then I, I think. Um, then I sometimes think we forget people, to introduce ourselves. So like you went like, right into we? it this time. Yeah. So, hey, but it is the Beer EDU podcast, my friend. You are, you're back in Reno for this recording. I am in Reno and um, I am, as we're recording this, I came back to Reno to finish packing my apartment because I'm uh, moving to Las Vegas in a week from when we are recording this. So um, I will be in Las Vegas when this episode drops. Right on. Yes. So you're making the trip back, which is exciting. It is exciting. I'm definitely going to miss Northern Nevada and the people that I've met here and then you know, I, I would say I'm going to miss being able to see you all the time, but we know that's a lie because we, <laughs> we never get to hang out. We anyway. don't hang out that much. In, yes, no, that's true. We we're both so stinking busy. Yeah, it's it's one of those busy. deals where we'll probably see each other you know more what? often now I that I live back in Vegas. I know because you'll be in Vegas and I know my wife has multiple trips she's got to do down to Vegas when whatever happens after <laughs> yeah. this ends, I will be in Vegas probably many times. So, oh, that's yes, funny. So. But Ben, this is the Beer EDU podcast, yep. so we have a beer while we chalk. So what do you got tonight? So I went with, and we were joking before we started recording, that I, I was like, I am sure that I've done this beer on the show. But um, shocker, it's an IPA, which I've done a million of those. Um, but it's a Brewer's Cabinet Dragon Punch IPA. Um, just a solid, solid IPA, 6.8% ABV, which is, and then interesting, I couldn't find the IBUs on uh, Untapped. So, I yeah, mean, some of the ones from uh, Brewer's Cabinet, they, they, those are kind of hard to find, but yeah, um, another one, you're batch. right though, another another IPA that's just a solid one. I, I've had that one yeah. as well. So just a solid IPA. Yeah, you're right. I would, I would probably say it's probably in the mid range for any IPA your standard IPA, but it's, it's good. Um, yeah. You can't go wrong. Local brewer got to support them. So yeah, I love them. And Hey, you went with something different. <laughs> yeah. And this might be, I'd have to go back and check our list, but this might be the longest title for a yeah, beer that I've I had so. on the show. This is from Boulevard Brewing, which is out of Kansas city and modern times, which is Southern California. Mm-hmm. It's a collaboration beer. This is the Restless Nights Bourbon Barrel Aged Coffee Porter. Okay. 7.5% ABV, 30 IBU. Okay, like a porter, it's it's a little thin on the mouthfeel, so it's not like a stout where it's real heavy. 
okay. lot of coffee, a lot of chocolate. They even soaked the coffee beans and barrel aged them. So before they put the beer in the bourbon barrel, so you get a nice little touch of bourbon on top of that. And believe okay. it or not, this, it sounds heavy duty, but this is a pretty easy drinker considering everything that's there. Right. I, it's not a lawnmower beer by any means, but this is a nice, easy drinker. And at seven and a half percent, that's not terrible. So you could have a couple of them and not, you know, feel completely yeah. out of the loop. I just can't. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one as I'm reading the description of it, that you're gonna, you're gonna gradually finish and maybe gradually start another one. <laughs> well, and what I did, I had one of these a while back cause I bought a four pack of it at Costco and I had one a while back and I drank it straight from the fridge and it was good, but it's like, Oh, you know, for modern times in Boulevard, I'm not, I'm not a right. real hugely impressed by this. I mean, it's good, but why well, let this one, warm up a little bit not yeah. not room temperature but kind of in between that straight from the fridge and room temperature and the flavors come out a lot more on it so definitely i'm leaving this one out for a couple of hours again the next time that i have one perfect well we have guests and actually we have guests yes we are plural so, tonight we have yes. two guests with us so coming at us tonight are nicole biscotti and melissa sidebotham ladies welcome Welcome. Thank hello, you for hello. having me. Hi. All right. So I, I, since we got two of you, we're not used to this. We usually <laughs> just talk to one right off the bat. So um, I went, I'm going to go alphabetical order by last name here. So Nicole, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself first? Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. My name is Nicole Biscotti and I write for Edgy Match as well. I'm writing a book about ADHD with my son. Actually two books. One is for teachers. That one will be out first. And then the second one is from parents, for parents. Awesome. And they are written with my son. Um, he's about to turn 10. Oh, wow. I've been working on this since he's eight years old. And they include his voice and my voice as a teacher and a parent. Wow. That, that sounds that's cool. That's interesting. That, um, Thank you. I, I have I've more got, questions. <laughs> I, I got tons of questions already about that one. So, um, so besides being a writer, what else do you do? I also co-founded the Edutable with Melissa Sidebotham, and that is a platform for parents and teachers to have real collaboration, not just like parent-teacher conferences, mm -hmm. which we're excited to see that that's kind of happening right now in our current situation. We're actually having more authentic conversations with parents. Yeah, for sure. Right so, on. And you mentioned you co-founded that with Melissa, and Melissa, you're here as well, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I am. I am here. Um, we... I am um, also writing a book with Edge Match. Um, it's actually a graphic novel, so it's for kids, oh, cool. and it is uh, it's about neighborhood kids solving a mystery using the, the scientific method, and it's wow. called the Lab Coat Kids. So it's really fun. And actually, just today, my amazing, amazing illustrator. Her name is Noella um, Noella Biscotti. She Big heart. What? Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, oh it's my Noella gosh. <laughs> it's Noella Bickle. She's my sister. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got my okay. B names mixed up. Um, it's Noella Bickle, and she's fabulous. She's also on Twitter. But she just finished the rough sketches for the whole book. And so she wow. printed them out as a PDF, and she, like, held it up in the video, and, and it looks like a real book, you guys. So that's wow. super exciting. And, uh, and then, of course, I do the edge table with Nicole, and I'm also an elementary school principal. 
So there's a lot going on. And I have three kids. <laughs> which is why I'm hiding in the closet. Yeah. Here, so. <laughs> well, the, the acoustics yeah. are better too. All those yeah. clothes cuts down on the echo and all that. So. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it actually does. It, suits are. <laughs> it, actually, that, there's a whole theory behind recording things. So yes, that actually does work. So it's not as weird yeah. as you think. No, you're, you're probably wow. going to sound a lot better on this recording than I because the room that I am in right now, because I am packing, <laughs> Mm-hmm. is relatively empty and i feel like it's oh. echoey so if i feel like it is yeah. it probably Sounds is good. so yeah all right all so good. well thank you so much for joining us tonight yes. so um now normally we ask what are you drinking but ahead of time um nicole you said you're, you're just sticking with the water for right now totally cool but you've got something kind of interesting melissa that uh you're drinking right now i do i didn't have any beer in the house um but i didn't want to disappoint you so i um I pulled out uh, a Chenin Blanc, an old vine Chenin Blanc from Avenales Ranch. And this okay. is a really cool little winery down in Paso. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Shell Creek Vineyards. And so they, they don't actually have like a tasting room. And I think I told you guys yeah. the story. I went to, to go visit them on my way back from doing a wasp visit down in San Luis Obispo. And so I, I typed in the address and I drove my little car into the middle of a field <laughs> where there's cows and some grapevines and a nice little ranch. But um, so, but that actually was where they make the wine. And I called them later and they're like, oh, you should have called the head of time. We would have met you and actually like shown you around. Wow. But, but I didn't know. So next time I'm down that way, I'll, I'll try and visit them. But they have a lovely wine, lovely wine. Awesome. I've only ever driven through Paso Robles, uh, but I do know that is the birthplace of Firestone Walker, which is a yep. great brewery that uh, makes all sorts of phenomenal beers between True. their their Union Jack and the Easy Jack IPAs. And then they got a barrel age series that's to die for as well. Yes. Wow. So you, you two are very, very busy. So I'm like, Oh, okay. So how I'm going to start, I'm like, what's my first question. So, so how about just tell us, I w- I want to know more about edgy table and tell us a little bit about that and, and how you, how you two started that. Well, <laughs> Nicole, do you want to start? I'm sure. <laughs> sure. Um, well, so, as, as Tom and Mike say, only awkward pauses. That was yes. an awkward pause. It's okay. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the way it started is that Melissa reached out to a number of people on Twitter and had this idea of looking at ways to really engage parents. Mm-hmm. And as Melissa and I started talking about it and um, brainstorming together, what we sort of came up with is that there's this whole group of of educators that are connected on Twitter mm-hmm. and are having these great conversations globally and it's very inspiring and we're learning so much and what would it look like if we brought parents to the table mm-hmm. so that's where we got this idea of the edu table so that if we right. could invite parents to this conversation so we developed a website and our website has original content from parents and educators so it's blogs it's videos um, we do author talks for books, children's book reads, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, really just trying to, to have to share some really original content that's relevant to now. And then we sort of in the middle of this realized that we couldn't quite have a, a platform about conversations without having conversations. Mm-hmm. So then we started our podcast as well. Okay. Wow. So 
Go ahead. Oh, so <laughs> there, awkward pause once again. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, so um, the podcast, uh, I was fortunate enough to actually be a guest on that a while back. I, it hasn't released yet, so I actually haven't heard it yet. But um, so that was kind of a nice little panel conversation. Is that is that the general format uh, of the podcast yeah. where you have several people come on panel style? We do. We, we stick to panel style because we like the concept of bringing people around a table. Mm -hmm. even if it's a virtual table. Mm -hmm. So in every, um, in every conversation we have, we try to have a really uh, good mix of educators, parents. Um, we've had kids on there as well. Cool. Sometimes we'll have mental health um, professionals, whatever's mm -hmm. relevant to the topic. But mm -hmm. we're always really trying to have um, people from diverse backgrounds and, and really share perspectives. Right. And I think that's where our, our Twitter PLN has really jumped in because we've been able to have guests from, from all over and people all over the world are listening, which is right. blows my mind. I can't even believe it. So, but really it's been a whirlwind, hasn't it, Nicole? It really has. <laughs> it's only, if you stop and think about it, it's only been a year. that wow. we've Not even, us. I mean, no. almost, but like in June. I'm, I'm amazed. In like, June, yeah. I, that is, it is such an amazing idea because I do think about like how Twitter for education is like mm -hmm. it's the thing it is it is how mm -hmm. we connect with each other it's how I mean it's how Kyle and I kind of met and and how we we connect across across this country and the world and it's just the thought of like okay we have all these great educators talking about it but why aren't where are our parents and I, I think that's brilliant I think that's amazing um, do you find parents do you find that parents gravitate more towards the blog format or, or Twitter? You know, what's we, better for them? We seem to have parents more engaged in the blogs. Right. We're um, also on Instagram, we're on Pinterest, we're on Facebook. So okay. we're still learning where we can okay. best engage with parents. Right now, what we've been finding mm -hmm. is parents sort of um, grouped by interest. So okay. like, let's say special needs parents. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, we'll kind of tap into like a community. Mm -hmm. But we're really, really looking to grow and include more and more parents because that's, you know, again, the PLN has been amazing and, and jumping in and sharing expertise, but we really, really want to hear from parents. Right. Yeah, Ben, you make a really good point that, you know, Twitter is great for educators and I'm connected with thousands upon thousands of people that are educators, but right now mm -hmm. I can only think of one person that I've interacted with in recent memory on Twitter that is not an educator that is there solely for educational purposes. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a gentleman named Jeremy Bond, I believe he's from Connecticut, that he's on Twitter and he's mm -hmm. participating in educational Twitter chats as a way to learn more how to better reach his, uh, his own children that right. are special needs. I believe wow. one of his children mm -hmm. um, right. is ADHD. And I, right. I, can, I don't know his whole story, you'd have to talk to him more, but, but he's on Twitter and his handle here is, let me, let me pull it up real quick. Um, we need to get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, I go I just, follow him right now. Yes, absolutely. His, um, <laughs> at, at Jeremy D. Bond is his uh, Twitter handle. Yeah, right. he'd be a great one to have mm -hmm. on the podcast. Uh, I was, we, we did a Twitter chat uh, for Q Chat a, a while back that, that was about special education during mm -hmm. remote learning. And he joined mm -hmm. in on that, mm -hmm. giving the parent perspective. Awesome. Yeah. But, and it was amazing. But at the same time, again, Ben, like you said, there's not a lot of parents out there interacting yeah. on Twitter. So there's got, so this edutable idea is such a novel way to try to reach parents 
that are out there that they have things to contribute as well. Yeah, and I think I think just in my experience, both you know, as an educator, and I think you know, I love Twitter. I I love this. I love that medium for connecting with people, and they all. I'm in my school. We have a Twitter page and everything, and then I go, you know, and I look at it, and I go, "There's no parents in here. It's all other educators following us." But on our Instagram and on Facebook and all that, that's where my, at least at, at my building, that's where my parents are. And so I'm like, "All right, that's that's how we need to engage them." So it's awesome that you're kind of you're you're using all those platforms, and especially the blogs. At least in my experience, I I think parents. Parents want to educate themselves and they're looking for content. Yes. So I mean, that's mm -hmm. important. And that's why we wanted to have content from both parents and educators. Mm -hmm. But we mm -hmm. also really want to focus on conversations, whether they be on Facebook or Twitter or wherever they want to live. But the idea is that mm -hmm. we want this to be definitely a two-way communication. We don't want to be a site that's at all mm -hmm. preachy or telling parents you know, what to do. We really want to learn from parents and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Now, well, I know I that there's, there's other schools. Oh, oh, sorry, Melissa, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, That's I was okay. going to say there's, there's schools I've heard of that younger parents that are definitely on Snapchat right. and YouTube a lot too. Have, have you embraced Snapchat and YouTube as part of Edutable yet? We do have a YouTube channel and on our YouTube channel, we've got the, the podcast automatically upload over there. So you can just, cool. you can follow them there. And then we also have um, Andrew Murata's uh, Parent Sparks videos are there. And we just did our first author chat um, with Barbara Bray with Define, Her, Define Your Why. And so oh, she's talking yeah. to both teachers and parents as to how you can find your purpose, especially during this time. So we're putting those kinds of videos up there. Um, some of them are short, some of them are longer, mm -hmm. but um, we're trying to reach parents where they are. I, I have a Snapchat, <laughs> but I am not good at Snapchat. Um, okay. But Neither. we do have Instagram. We've got a Facebook page, cool. um, all of that kind of stuff. So we're, we're, we're slowly branching out, but we're trying different things to see what parents are gravitating towards. And, and something mm -hmm. that's interesting, we're finding that, you know, there's a lot of, of mommy or parent bloggers out there, mm -hmm. but they're very much um, uh, humor focused. Okay. which is great because there's a lot of humor in, in our daily lives, like the Holderness family or, <laughs> right. you know, hot mess mom, or, you know, all of those kinds of people. Um, but, but when you start to put it more towards um, more serious topics, right. then you go straight towards, you know, people with all of the different letters behind their name. Right. You know, they, and there's not anything really in between. So we're, okay. we, we want to be, that medium or that platform that brings those two things together if we can so one well, i think i think given our current situation what you're mm -hmm. doing is so relevant at this point i mean i i had a couple of meetings today with different parents and 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 they're like holy cow this is hard mm -hmm. and i'm like no <laughs> it, it, it's hard it's hard it but, is. And, and i'm telling them you need to relax because you're trying to do your own job and then run your house and then you're trying to teach your child. It just, mm -hmm. I'm like, you're doing great. Relax. You're okay. It, it's okay. Cause they are, they're like, and I think I, I imagine as we, as we kind of, however it's going to look in mm -hmm. the future from now, mm -hmm. we're going to have a large segment of parents who are like, I need to know stuff. Like mm -hmm. I need to know stuff. I think there's some, there can be some positive outcomes from this situation. And one of those I think is you're going to see parents want to 
engage more with schools um, and, and, and really kind of understand what's going on. Are, are you seeing more parents reach out to you well, Because we could find yes. ourselves in this situation again, yeah. you know, maybe next fall when, when flu seasons come, when flu season comes right. back. I mean, we don't know, but parents I, and everybody, educators and parents, we were all kind of caught flat footed. And how are we going to do this? And, and how do we make this work? And now that we know this is a thing, I think we all want to be better prepared for what may come up in the future. Yeah, it'll Absolutely. be really nice to see after this um, more when you have those community like coffee meetings in the mornings or the at, mm -hmm. the at night, just uh, mm -hmm. general school kind of come, come and hang out type, type things. Mm -hmm. You'll see more than just the same three parents that show up to all those, I hope as a result of this and people wanting to connect more. And I hope that we see educators looking for opportunities to, to connect more and in a more authentic way, because what we're seeing now is that educators are calling and not just saying, Hey, you know, Billy's failing my class, but they're saying, how are you guys doing? Does your yes. family have any needs? Yes. And, it, and it's opening up. I know I'm also a classroom teacher and it's opening up two way conversations because the families then turn around to me and often say, I miss Biscotti. How are you doing? How are your kids? And then, and then sometimes right. it's not even like the teacher parent thing. It's like, we're both laughing about how our kids human and human. Mm -hmm. exactly yeah. are like, yeah, my kids are drawing Pokemon instead of doing their homework too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So we're actually, oh my God, we were just talking about that in another, like one of my teachers, one of their kids was actually drawing Pokemon instead of doing his zoom. He had figured out how to do like the, the multiple tabs. Yeah. So of I, clearly everybody's doing it. So it's right. obviously it's way we, more interesting in the curriculum. <laughs> we were talking to, uh, we were talking, recording the other night with uh, Ben Cogswell and he's talking about his kindergartner. One of the kindergartners in his zoom figured out how to open the chat and was having a chat with some other kids. And like, That's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think, I think Nicole, you brought up a good point. I think, I think that, that through all this, I, I, and I've heard this from other educators is, Another possible outcome from this is a focus more, um, we've always talked about soft skills and, and the importance of SEL in schools. And now it's like, we kind of like, I feel like we had to put our money where our mouth is like now because it's like, right. I am, I am, I am, I am concerned about my students academically for sure, but I'm more equally or more so concerned about their well-being and their family's well-being mm -hmm. given, you know, people losing jobs and things like that. What's like, what can we do as a school community to help them? So. I think you're right. I think that's, this is going to be a huge push moving forward. Yeah. And Nicole, you brought that up too, about just how families are more appreciative of the, the connections that are being made too. So I just, I wanted to share this real quick. I got this text message today because I check in with my caseload students uh, on a daily basis through this whole thing mm -hmm. right now. And it's mm -hmm. not so much to say, Hey, make sure your work's done. I mean, that's part of the message, but it's more mm -hmm. just to check and see how they're doing that they're not going completely insane or, you know, if they're actually healthy right now through this whole thing. So I, I texted the mother of one of my, one of my favorites. Uh, I've had him for a couple of years now. He's a tough nut to crack, but I love the kid. And I texted mom to ask her how everything was doing, if there was anything I can do. And her response was, it's really tear jerking. You've gone above and beyond to make sure your students and their families are okay. I appreciate your time and I'm happy to report we are doing well. Even our dog is living his best apocalypse, LOL. And just seeing that right there, I, I wasn't doing it for a message like that, but that, that right there, knowing that that mother, that that's how she feels about 
those teachers reaching out like that, it makes me want to do it more to the point where some people might even get annoyed that I'm messaging them too so much. So, because I, I just, I, I want to make that connection and make sure that everybody's okay. And I'm glad I was so happy to see that come through. So, but, but Kyle, I'd like to suggest that that kind of connection is really where it all starts. Mm -hmm. Because I remember when I, I worked at a different school, they were talking about parents aren't lining up to do the site council. Mm -hmm. We were in an area that was heavily Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I said it a little bit flippantly, but I kind of meant it. And I said, well, what if we get a taco truck and do a community garage sale? They'll come out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they, they don't necessarily relate to a site council. And also, mm -hmm. why would you sign up to be on a site council with people that you really don't know? You That's know, and I, true. I would just love to see this um, divide between educators mm -hmm. and parents. Does this gap just close and we go mm -hmm. back to like, we're all people that mm -hmm. love kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. you're, you're not the right. first school and I'm not, and I'm not trying to imply that you were saying that you were the first school to ever do something like that by any means, but that my daughter's school, where, where she's at right now, I, I don't remember a taco truck at the beginning of the year, but there was a kind of a community yard sale deal where okay, see? everybody came in, everybody came in and they donated clothes that yep. no longer fit. And then you basically could go in there and either exchange the clothes with somebody like, hey, my daughter wears that size now, can we do a trade? You could do a trade like that or you could sell the stuff and then part of the proceeds went to the school's general fund to like take kids on field trips and stuff. So, and that was probably that one of the most successful events of the year when that happened. And that's before and I didn't know that was a started. thing. Well, I didn't even hey, know that was a thing. I was just the cool like thing. saying that. I like it. Oh no. Well, no and hey, this, this is a shout out. This is a shout out for Cahill. Cause I'm pretty sure she's the principal of that school and she is on Facebook live. I'm pretty sure right now. Yeah, I think so she is too. So, and I, You're and awesome. I, and I didn't say she's that in, just to just to imprint uh, tyranny principal. there. So it it Aww, was something that cool. I just remember it being very successful. And then we there was another night, another successful night where it was kind of like a I, not a back to school night because it was more towards the middle of the year, but more of a mm -hmm. like a conference night where mm -hmm. kid, the families could come in. Very easily could have just said like, oh, your parent-teacher conference is at six o'clock, you know, come in for that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe a third of the families would show up. But when all of a sudden you sweeten the pot by saying something like, it's conference night, come out on Wednesday night at six o'clock for dinner, we're going to feed you. And then at seven o'clock, we'll have some presentations from the teachers. And I tell you what, you couldn't fit more people into that elementary school cafeteria as a result of that. That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, I think so. you're right. I think I think it is about getting community and 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 getting back to that. The and I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of schools do it amazing, where the school is the hub for that community, and that's where parents. I have a, I have a friend in Baltimore who's principal, and his school is the hub, like medical service, those kind of things. I think that's what wow. that's what schools need to be, mm -hmm. because we're not, in my opinion, we're not nine to three. We're when do you we're we're seven in the morning till what do you need at night because and families need that especially now i think that's we're going to see that so and we're not able to be anything but that like as teachers right. we all come home and think about our kids and worry right. about them <laughs> that's true no i <laughs> it's natural it is it is and especially through this i was just we're mm -hmm. we're trying to noodle through our plan to get um 
students whatever they've left in their classroom and and give it back to them mm -hmm. and, and how we're going to pick it up and how we're going to maintain safe distances and, and you know and I can't ask mm -hmm. you can't ask staff to do it um, you know but then I have teachers who I literally had a teacher say I don't care whose kids they are not even my own students I just need to see some kids <laughs> I'm like, you can't hug them. You can give them a badge. She goes, I don't care. I just need to see some children. And I'm like, that's why people do this job. That really truly mm -hmm. is, is there, they have a connection. So, well, and I'm, so now I'm, I'm super interested about the books too. So I want to ask Melissa, what, what made you go the route you went with the graphic novel? Well, that's an interesting story. Um, like six years ago, um, I was sitting around a table with a group of friends and my son's uh, godmother was sitting next to me and she was, she was, they were talking about different things and um, maybe writing a book about like baking and solving mysteries or different things. And I said, forget the baking. You need to do like solve it with science. What's wrong with you guys? And, and then we just went, Oh wait, no, we couldn't really do this. And so we, we stayed up late and like after school and we'd go to one person's house and we'd drink wine and eat chocolate and write. And it was fabulous. And we wrote it pretty quickly. And then we couldn't, we shopped it around. We couldn't find anything. And so we okay. kind of put it on the back shelf. And this, I was a classroom teacher at the time. I was a middle school science teacher. And, um, and then I got on Twitter a, like a little over a year ago and I met uh, Jeff Kubiak. So from one drop of kindness. Right. And, and I just, one of the things that's so cool about Twitter is you can reach out to anybody like these, these people who are, you know, mental health professionals, amazing authors, all these people. And I, I just said, Hey, you know, I want to know more about what you do. How did you get published? And he's like, well, I, let me introduce you to somebody. And so he introduced me to Sarah from Edumatch. And um, so I, I went ahead and I sent off the manuscript and she was like, yeah, I think we could do this. And um, as my partner and I, uh, her name's Jennifer Reagan. She's my co-author. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And we were talking more about how to, to reach a broader group of kids. And mm -hmm. so that's where, and my, my little brother, he works for Dark Horse Comics. He's Ooh. actually the guy, he's, he's an editor for them. He does Ooh. like the Zelda books. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, nice. so I was talking to him about stuff and I said, Hey, what about a graphic novel? And he's like, you know, that's a really good idea. So we, we just, we changed it from being a chapter book to a graphic novel. And, and now it's, it's, we were, we're looking at having it come out probably this June. So we'll see how it all goes. But this way, I mean, you're going to capture, even if you're an excellent reader, kids love graphic novels, you know, going up through the grades. But if you're a reluctant reader, um, that it's, it's accessible right. to them too. So right. we want for everybody to be able to enjoy it. So it's, I'm really, really excited about it, especially after seeing the sketches today. Oh my goodness. I'll have to put That's some awesome. up on the lab coat kids, uh, Twitter page so you guys can get a sneak peek. That's awesome. I'm 38 years old and still enjoy comic books and graphic novels. So they're, yeah, they're definitely right? accessible too. I have Everybody. comics unlimited on my iPad and I read comics all the time. That, yeah. I, it's my go-to. So um, it's going to be very dangerous, but my new house uh, in Las Vegas is walking distance from my old comic book shop. 
Nice. So um, I'm going to have to set myself a budget for each month because that could get dangerous in a hurry. I, and I agree with you. I think Melissa, that's, it's brilliant. It, it, it is, it is, I've, I've long argued that, that that medium is as mm -hmm. literature rich as a piece of, of, of text as a, as a normal novel. I mean, we could have a whole, I could nerd out about like having kids inference based on pictures and, and they have to create their mm -hmm. own, they have to make connections between dialogue and characters. I mean, it's, people look at comic books and they go, oh, they're comic books, they're not really, there's a lot to a good graphic novel. And I think you're right. I think kids, mm -hmm. it's almost, <laughs> I always joke, it's like, it's almost like tricking them into reading. They're like, oh, this will be super easy because exactly. it's got picture. And I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's super easy. Go ahead, let's read it. And then- mm -hmm. That but the comprehension piece is yes. still there. You right. have to be able to understand right. what's happening in the story uh, and uh, the cause and effect and the right. inferences yep. and like all of those different pieces are still there. So those are the kinds of things that, that I get geeked out on. I love <laughs> reading and I love science. Beautiful. And so being able to bring the two together, I'm like, yes. Right. Well, that, that'll be amazing. I can't wait to see it. That, that is yeah, super cool. Thank so, you. Yeah, and then, so Nicole, you went the other way. <laughs> <laughs> not a graphic novel, but a book, a book about ADHD and you're writing it with your son. So tell us, yeah, what, how did that come about? Well, what started it was that my son, Jason is my youngest of four kids and he is my first um, encounter with ADHD up close and personal mm -hmm. that I really began to understand. Even as a teacher, I, I didn't have any training with ADHD and um Jason's behavior was was pretty typical um, mm -hmm. and pretty pretty disruptive. I mean, clearing classrooms and getting expelled from kindergarten and such. So it was it was pretty shocking. My other kids are very compliant in school. <laughs> here comes Jason. So it was a big learning curve. And okay. one of the things that we did, he also has um, oppositional defiance disorder. Okay. So he gets really mad really fast. He kind of hulks out. We call it. Uh huh. And one of the strategies is that we journal together. So as okay. we were journaling, I started to realize that we were really creating sort of a narrative about life from his point of view. Okay. And then as a teacher, I'm also a department chair, so I assist other teachers. And then I, I worked on our PBIS implementation in my school. Mm -hmm. And again, mentored more teachers um, school-wide. And I started to get in touch with how much, not only did I not know about ADHD as a teacher, but how much the other teachers didn't know about it. And the right. more I read and the more I researched and became connected, the more I realized that we moved to inclusion, but we didn't actually change teacher education. So ding ding. ding. Yeah. yeah. That so, might there might be. <laughs> well, that's that's really what happened, right? Like when I yeah. was a kid, um, mm -hmm. people, kids like Jason were in a different yeah. classroom. True. And now we have them all together, which has right. a lot of benefits, but it would right. be great if maybe teachers knew what, how to support right. them. Yeah, that's, wow. So then. Well, that's a great way to, you, you found, you found his outlet of how right. to cope with those things. So, I mean, and you're his mother, so it's probably a little bit different, but you know, if teachers have an understanding of ADHD or any other disability, if they can figure out what, what exactly those things are for one to understand those, then they're going to be more effective in trying to find those outlets. So I, I had a student this year, very, very tough ADHD, um, opposition defiance disorder. So 
a, a host of other things as well, like six mm-hmm. different uh, other diagnoses as well. So, and his big thing is as soon as he would get worked up, it, it was like you said with your son, but this was an 18 year old high school senior. You're, you're talking possibly a chair getting chucked across the room, things getting cleared out, uh, cursing a teacher or a student out in the hallway, and then just storming off and, and roaming. And, and in the beginning, that's, that's what was happening. But after talking to him a little bit, it, it, it started, it, I started out small just by saying like, listen, as soon as you start to feel that, politely ask the teacher if you can come see me. And, and right away, it didn't mean it stopped. He still got upset and still did things that, you know, most people wouldn't do in those situations, but it got better as time went on mm-hmm. because I was able to figure that out and because I had an understanding, but, but that's me, that's not every teacher. So you make a great point that teachers need to be able to understand these things so they can figure those out. So what, what kinds of things have you done or that you've learned that other teachers should know about when it comes to that? Well, I guess if I can just take that from a slightly different angle, Absolutely. I, ha- I have seen with Jason in my experience that um, I had a teacher suggest that he was possessed um, and share, share with me that she, she was, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> wow. Uh. This is, this wasn't a public school. She shared okay. that she was praying for him. Which was also was already a little bit different of a comment in a public school, but I yeah. took that I took that with a grain of salt. I thought, okay, she's probably means that in a positive way, right? Yeah. And that because I spoke to my um, mother-in-law, who's the pastor, and we believe that he's possessed with the devil, um, by the devil or something like that. So wow. that that's one thing. But if I were to be honest with you, that's not even the most shocking thing that I've encountered. Mm. Um, just recently, I was in a library with um, a room full of parents whose children also have behavior issues. Mm-hmm. And we were scolded um, about how, I mean, one big room and we were in the library and we were all scolded in a group about our children's behaviors. So I say this to you and I, I will never identify schools or anything because it's not my right. intention. But what I want to, what I really want to let people know is that we have a problem because these kids are internalizing very negative right. messages about themselves. And it's, mm-hmm. it's child abuse. I mean, it's extremely, I can't emphasize how harmful it is. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of our ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I say our collectively because mm-hmm. I was pretty ignorant too in the beginning of this mm-hmm. journey. And that's really where I'm coming from is when Jason talks to me about some of the strategies that work for him. Right. It's very interesting because I, in the book, I'll, I'll share things from his perspective, but then I also go back and, and show, share research. And without fail, everything that he expresses that he needs or that helps him has been backed by research that I've found. So it, it's important to really listen and right. start with understanding that this is a neurological disorder. Right. It's not just, you know, a brat or whatever. Well, and and I think that that is key. And I think, and Kyle, you probably speak to this too, you know, as a special education teacher, but I think about all the IEPs that, that I'm part of as an administrator. And I think about like how important it is to have that child there to, to talk about, okay, we're coming up with a plan for you. Like it can't just be the adults in the room. I mean, we're part of the plan and the parents know them, you know, you know, your son better than anyone, but sometimes it's, getting kids to voice, like, this is, this is the thing that works for me. And it might not fit your box of what the school day looks like. I think I have a very special friend that um, his school day 
does not look like a regular school day for other kids. It just, it, it can't because of who he is. And so his school day looks different. He spends, you know, we, we, he has a very different plan that involves, you know, different things, but it, it that's what he needs. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit the box of, of school, but mm -hmm. that's okay. <laughs> Well, and as teachers, we realize too, that when we sort of open our, I always yeah. say listening with our heart, with an open heart, when we begin to listen with an open heart and observe behavior, form versus function, et cetera, and we start to make those connections, like what you were saying, Kyle, yeah. the kids are generally, in my experience, at least so grateful mm -hmm. that I feel like I give an inch and they give me the mile. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's something because somebody else. finally sees them and somebody's right. listening. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest things that 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 hurts is these kids and these parents don't feel heard. Right. And and we have to listen right. because they're going to tell us what mm -hmm. they're experiencing, what they're seeing mm -hmm. and what they need. Mm -hmm. And if we just listen, I think we can do a lot better job of, of providing it for right. them. Less thrown chairs. Lots less. Of <laughs> well, and I think, and that's, that's the thing, like mostly, and then you experience this, I'm sure as an administrator that like, like I always say, it's like, I got to put a money in that emotional bank account. And so like, I need, we need to build some positives. We need to do some stuff. And then there is going to be time that, that these are the parameters. And sometimes the, you've crossed a line and we have to have a, we have to have a consequence. However, that's going to look for you and to ensure, you know, that it helps you. But I think what I, in my experience, at least once I've, once I've built that relationship with the parents and with that kid, it's a lot easier. And a lot of times it doesn't, it, and a lot of times what happens is you don't have to make that withdrawal because you've already built that, that relationship. Well, so and, and you kind of jump, jumped the gun. I was, I was going to talk about something shocking. We've never talked about on the show before <laughs> is that relationship piece. Where yeah. <laughs> once you start building that, it, you're going to get better results as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So I, the, the young man I was speaking about a few moments ago, going into his IEP that we had a few months ago, the day of up to an hour beforehand, he was refusing to even come to it because mm -hmm. he thought it was just going to be a mm -hmm. session where all of his teachers and the administrator right. that was going to be there and his counselor, mm -hmm. it was just going to be a teardown session. I said, and I told him, I go, mm -hmm. that, that's not what it's going to be. We, we need you there. So you can understand what you need to do to graduate in a few months. And it was probably one of my best IEP meetings this year. Once we got him there and he realized right. that that's not what it was and that he had a room of eight other people sitting there that was on his team. And if you can build a team up for all these kids out there, like the one that I'm working with, like your son, Nicole, mm -hmm. you're going to, it's going to be exponentially better as a result of that. So, but again, it goes back to, the ignorance that so many of us have, including myself up until, you know, within the last few years where I didn't understand these things either. And that's the reality. And I think it's awesome that we're admitting that because that's where it starts because we weren't educated about it. You know, we already went over that, yeah. but that's where it starts is, is learning. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think that I'm undiagnosed ADHD because uh, not in the destructive way by any means, but just the whole, I, I can be sitting doing something then all of a sudden, like, Oh, got to get and walk around. And I just, I can't focus sometimes yeah. as a result of that. So that was my whole view of it for a very long time. Or like, well, can't be ADHD. That kid just must be a jerk because you know, 
I mean, they can't pay attention and then they're throwing chairs. That, that, that just means they're a jerk or the parents suck or something like that. That was my thought. But obviously I've learned a lot since then. And that's definitely not the case. I still feel like I mm-hmm. am I undiagnosed. I have attention problems at times, but I have a much better, better understanding now. Yes, I, I had a similar um, reaction. My oldest son is on an ROTC scholarship with the Marines, ready to be an officer pretty soon. He's Ooh. extremely diligent, extremely compliant, very applied. <laughs> I mean, the model kid, you know, he went to high school where I taught and he made me look very good, believe me. And then, you know, and then my twin girls are, are very good in school as well. A little sassy, but very good in school. And I kind of, you know, when kids would act up, I would think, gosh, why can't their parents get them to behave at school? Like, you know, don't they care about school? And it's embarrassing, but I I had those thoughts. And then I had Jason. Right. Well, and I think it's so powerful for you as an educator to, to share your story, because I think that's exactly it is that there are, there are people in our profession that will do exactly what you're saying. They're like, well, if only the parents did this and you're like, you know what? That parent is that parent is very well. They know I, I, I know someone who a friend who had a child very sounds very similar to yours. I don't know your child, but just in some situation, and also an educator, and um, dad's a doctor, and they know all these things. And for whatever reason, their child that's his gift is his gift is a different way that his brain works, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's like so to say, oh, it's the parent's fault. <laughs> There's way and people way say more. that all the time. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because none of us as parents or as educators are ever going to be perfect. And, no. you know, to this day, I still make missteps. And mm-hmm. I find that every single time I make a mistake, whether it's with, you know, one of my teaching staff mm-hmm. or with a family or with a student, it's because I didn't take the time to listen. I went to a snap judgment and... Mm-hmm. And that is where those mistakes can happen. So Mm -hmm. it's so important for us to really pay attention and listen first and then work on a plan. But, but yeah. So, so Nicole, what's the timeline for your book then? Well, it's due on May 30th. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Right about when she's making good progress though. Yeah. (laughs) This is why I've stopped wearing makeup and doing my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, That's so I won't, I won't complain about the two evals I got to finish writing. So I <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be done on May 30th. Wow. Okay, awesome. No, that'll be well, really and good. I just have to jump in real quick and say, I've gotten, I've been blessed to be able to read a couple of the um, iterations of this book. Right. Oh my gosh, you guys, it is going to be so good. <sighs> especially the pieces where her son is, is telling his story in his own words. I'm just mm-hmm. like, Oh, the tears. And, wow. and just, it's, Oh my gosh, it's phenomenal. It's I, phenomenal. Thank I, you, I, Melissa. I, no, I think both your books are going to be, are, are going to be powerful, you know, for multiple reasons. And I think, I think thinking about the situations that we're, we're currently living through, I think, especially yours, Nicole, I think, again, I go back to like parents, Parents have, um, they're doing an amazing job and they're trying to teach kids and I get, and they're like, wow, this is kind of like, this is weird. This is not, you know, cause I, and we all have kids and I had my own children who are now adults say, you're my parent, not my teacher. And then, you know, I'm like, yeah, but you still have to do this. And they're like, no, I don't. And so 
<laughs> I think I think a book like yours I think will help help educators kind of see that parent perspective of like what their what their perspective is, what the kid's perspective is, and then and also help parents too because there's parents I'm sure that are like, I need help, I need something. That was me, and that is me sometimes. Mm-hmm. As I'm writing this, I'm still going through it. Jason had a really rough year. Right. Um, every year is is different. So. Right. That's why I decided to split it into two books. And I'm really grateful that EduMatch supported that because I just didn't feel like I could talk to parents and teachers in the same conversation. Right. Like, I, I mean, I am both, but I felt right. like what I had to say to teachers was different. Right. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a special language that we have that yeah. involves all kinds of weird acronyms and things like that. And I think you're right. I, I think that that's actually a super smart move. Well, and I'm looking already too to where that could be required reading for anybody getting their bachelor's or master's yeah, in special education because, because I think back to when I was going through my bachelor's program and my three different master's plus programs, whatever, anytime it was about theory or special education at all, it was all research-based, but it was really dry. Mm-hmm. It was all just a bunch well, and of numbers. there's nothing applied. Right. And, yeah. and it's kind of like, you know, when they say that they all those lesson plans you write in college, you're never going to write one like that again because you just throw it out as soon as, like, I still remember my one college professor saying, your lesson plan is going to be taking a sip of your coffee while sitting at a stoplight a lot of times. So, and that, that's come through for me sometimes. I'm like, holy, that's a great, that's a great idea for today. But I digress. <laughs> I'm getting off on a tangent here. But your book, Nicole, I, I can already see this as being, because of the application, because of the real life that's coming out of it, I can already see this as a required reading for anybody that's wanting to learn more about special education and, and what it's like for students with special needs. And then if you're, if you're going through school studying these things, I, I can already see it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see this. Thank you. I'm, you know, it's, as Jason's mom, of course, he's my baby and he has dimples and he's really cute. So <laughs> he's really cute. He so I have heard along with him as he goes through a lot of the things he's gone through. But then as a teacher, I cannot forget that there are millions of Jasons. You know, my Jasons are taller because I'm a high school teacher, but there's millions of Jasons. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I really feel so strongly that I have to keep on talking about this because it's a conversation and I just hope that by reading this book or, or listening to you know anything when, that we're doing about this that people will just start to see things from a little bit different of a perspective and maybe shorten that curve for the kids you know I, yeah I think I think you can't help but once you have more knowledge it, you build your empathy I mean then, yeah. then you can kind of help understand where where people are coming from and I think that's the only thing we can do is is, is educate people around you know the different things that kids need each each jason there you're right there's a million of them they're every you know (laughs) they are yeah every year i have a few (laughs) as as a student whose desk may have been turned backwards and pushed against the the front (laughs) and my teachers will attest and my mom taught next door and it still didn't matter And how many punk, how many them. punk rock band logos did you carve into that desk when it was turned around? I was in elementary school then. By high school, I was like, peace out, dropping out. But so. that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, well, ladies, you told us a lot about how we can connect with you uh, through Edutable. How about personally? Do you have uh, blogs or Twitter or anything that we can connect with you and the listeners can? 
Yes, awkward pause. Um, I have a website. It's NicoleBiscotti.com. And then I am also on Twitter at, at BiscottiNicole. And Instagram sometimes at Nicole.Biscotti. Awesome. And I also have um, a website for the Lab Coat Kids. So it's thelabcoatkids.com. So you can go on there and see some sneak peeks of what's going on with that. Um, but you can find me um, at, on Twitter at MelsideB and on Instagram at in the building with Mrs. S. And uh, yeah, I'm always, well, I'm not always there. I'm there outside of the regular school day. <laughs> Awesome. And nobody would judge you if you were on there during the school day, if you ask me. So. Well, some people might. Some know. people might, but whatever. <laughs> well, right now, the school day is super blurred. We're just it is gonna, very blurred. It's, oh, it's very blurred. So we're, all, blurred. we're all working from a weird box on a television screen, and that's just our new normal. Hopefully mm -hmm. not for long. Yeah, so. Well, it's ladies, thank you so much for joining us yeah. here. Uh, I'm super so, excited about the books. Yeah. But don't go anywhere yet. Yeah. Stick around because we do got something really fun coming up here yep. in a second. So, but uh, Ben, how can All listeners right. continue this conversation and keep things going uh, with Melissa and Nicole here? Yeah. So, so definitely um, make sure you uh, follow us on um, Instagram or on our Facebook or on our Twitter. You can email us at info at beeredupodcast.com. You know, tweet us, like I said, using the hashtag BeerEDUPod. Um, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, at BeerEDUPod. We do have a new uh, YouTube channel. Um, we're going to be putting content up there. Yay. So it's at bit.ly backslash BeerEDU YouTube. Um, and then be sure to follow our guests, Nicole at Biscotti Nicole and Melissa at Mel Side B. They're on Twitter. They just gave mm -hmm. you your stuff. We'll have all that in the show notes. Um, and then you can always send us a voice message using the Anchor app. Um, please leave us a review um, in iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And then if you want to be a guest, we'd love to have you on. You can visit our website, www.beeredupodcast.com. It's new, so I have to remember how to say that. Click on the contact and subscription info link and then complete our guest form. For sure. Yeah. So love to have a great conversation with you as well, whatever you are passionate about. So now this next part here, this is the yep. part we always learn about some beer. So, and this one is one that I, I don't know how I fell down this rabbit hole, but I fell down this one one day and was yes. looking into this and it was something I never really thought about. And it was, it was really interesting, but there's terminology out there, mm -hmm. dry hops, wet hops, yep. and fresh hops. And yes. I, just, I fell down this hole and I'm like, what is this? So, so hops clearly, this is what's given beer its bittering flavor. And then when you take a sip, especially of like one of those nice hoppy IPAs where you're getting that pine, that citrus or that tropical or sometimes that earthiness that's coming with all those beers in. There's, there's dozens of varieties of hops that are out there we could really get into. Mm -hmm. I believe I saw that right now there are 81 recognized varieties of hops. Yeah. And there's more getting created all the time. Yeah, they're crossbreeding them, yeah. Yeah, so, so and they're bringing out different flavors, these hops. So now typically what happens is the hops are harvested, uh, they're kiln dried, and then they're compressed into little pellets that is used in the brewing process. And when you have the pellet hops, it they can be used for up to three years. But some brewers, one of our favorites, Sierra Nevada is one of mm -hmm. them. 
they prefer the whole cone hops, which is the ones that they harvest them, they dry them, right. and they leave them just like they would look on the vine. So those ones, they don't last as long. They only last about a year at that point. But brewers that get a little persnickety about that, they mm -hmm. feel that they get better flavors out of it than they do with the pellet ones. So that's why they choose to go with the whole cone. So then you start getting into what does it mean to be dry hopped, wet hopped, or fresh hopped? So dry hops is not actually referring to that whole drying process. This is actually a verb in this part. This is actually mm -hmm. when brewers are adding hops in the brewing process. Now, typically what happens is the hops are added during the boil. And right. during that boil is when the hop flavors are coming out a lot of times. But what some brewers will do, they want to get more aroma on that mm -hmm. beer. So when you crack that thing open, you're getting that, you know, pine or that citrus on the nose. Mm -hmm. Dry hopping it means adding hops after that boil right. and then letting the, the wort bring the flavors and the, and the bitterness, not necessarily a lot of the bitterness, but those aromas to come out of those hops during that part of the process. So you'll see them, they'll boil it with the hops, then they'll right. add more later on. So, which is uh, really, really cool how it doesn't make it more bitter. It just gives it a much better aroma. So you get a lot more of that. Now, what are some good examples of some dry hop beers? Bell's Two Hearted, one of my mm -hmm. favorites. Sierra Nevada's Torpedo. The, the torpedo process is how they dry hop. That's that contraption right. we mentioned in the last episode that Sierra Nevada came up with. And then a beer that only comes out once a year, their triple yeah. IP, Hoptimum. Yeah. Hoptimum. <laughs> this is a dry hopped one as well. So now then you start getting into the wet and the fresh hops. This is when they're using hops that are, that are basically freshly harvested as little mm -hmm. as 24 hours. They're, Sierra Nevada actually has beers where – the hops cannot be older than 24 hours before they go right. in to the boil. So wow. what, yeah, that it's got to happen <laughs> quickly. <laughs> so, and when you're mm -hmm. talking like most of the hops are grown in Washington state to get them to brewers in California, you're talking, that's got to happen in a hurry. Right. So now wet it's hops, be quick. Yeah. these are ones that they go straight into the brew without being kiln dried. So right. they're like, they're wet off the vine. Okay. They go straight in, no drying whatsoever. Fresh hops, they're kiln dried shortly after harvest and then added relatively quickly after that kiln drying. So again, it could be as little as 24 hours, but usually with at least within a couple of weeks we're talking about most of the time. So now the issue with that though, takes a lot more hops to get those flavors right. than with the dried ones. And then on top of that, they're going to expire a lot more quickly. They're going to lose their flavor. So Sierra Nevada makes some of these stone brewing they make a lot of beers like the enjoy by series right where they'll have like an enjoy by 1031 enjoy by new year's day so those are all uh fresh hop wet hop ales that they're making that and they're saying that you drink it by this time because the hops are going to wear off if you don't oh huh. so yeah yeah i just it's so funny that you brought this up because I was just reading an article and and I can't, I'm trying to look up the magazine. It, it's not modern farmer. It's like another magazine. And I've, I bought it because there was an article about containers, which is a whole, a separate thing about growing vegetables. But anyways, I was super excited because it had a thing about hops and I want to grow them. And they talked exactly about like the difference of the wet hops and this particular farmer that, that wrote the article actually grows for bells. And it was, Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and he was talking about like for the wet, they have to harvest and they get them to the brewery like that. He's like a small, a small uh, organic farm. And so, yeah, there is a huge, the wet hops is, it seems from the article way more labor intensive. Oh, for sure. So I know Sierra Nevada, I know mm -hmm. they have a couple of acres of hops on their property. Yep. But it, I mean, it, it's about enough for about an hour's worth of production is all. It's right. not much at all. Uh, but speaking of them, they do make some, some good examples, some wet hop beer. They come out with one in the fall, Northern Hemisphere Harvest, which is made mm -hmm. with American hops from uh, the Yakima region of Washington. Then they make a Southern Hemisphere Harvest in the spring that's made with fresh hops from New Zealand. So you're talking, those ones are harvested. They got to get on a plane in order to right. make it to California for the yeah. brew. And then, and then another brewery that we really like in the podcast, Founders has one called Harvest Ale. I haven't had right. that one, but I need to see if I can get a hold of one because I, I do enjoy the Northern and Southern hemispheres. And then some fresh hop beers, Celebration. I did not know this one. Sierra Nevada Celebration is a fresh hop ale. Oh, okay. Did not know hmm. that. And then another one, uh, a California one, Lagunitas yeah. has one called Born Yesterday. Yeah. That is fresh hopped. And then, uh, another one, I know you like this one, oh, yeah. um, Day Shoots had, Fresh Squeezed. Yep, IPA I've had all three one. of those. Well, yep, so. I'm curious, so in your research, I'm curious though, can can you consider them fresh hops if they if they flash freeze them? Ooh, I did not see that in my. Because I, I just wonder about like, because we do that with vegetables and it maintains the freshness mm -hmm. and things like that. I'm just curious. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm going to say yes, but beer purists i bet <laughs> right. you they're gonna argue with you on that somebody's one gonna let us know yeah i'm so, just yeah <laughs> kind of like how some people will say that it's cheating it's not really fresh crab if it's been flash frozen right uh, to survive the flight from alaska or something I, like to me flash frozen still tastes great i i still enjoy king crab legs like that but i mean people will argue that it's not as good as just getting them fresh off the boat so that's an interesting question. I'd like to know the answer to. So uh, yeah. if anyone knows or has, yeah, you hit us up. Let us know. Well, I just I've been doing all this research because I have I have a section of my, in my backyard that I want to grow hops, and I, I know I have a friend who's grown hops and brewed, used them for his own beer, and I'm like, I want to try that. So so you've got the planter boxes with like twelve foot poles ready to go. I have or? a house. Well, you, there's a side of my house that's like one whole side, and I got a wire and the whole because they will grow. I, I could, yeah. we could do a whole episode about the article I read about how you have to plant the vines and they twist and it is super fascinating. Well, guess so, what? Uh, for a future episode, that's the learn about you're doing. We'll that. learn about, we'll learn about how to grow hops. Actually. Yeah. I like that idea. So, all right. Well, Hey, that's 71. Yes. Yeah, there Ladies, it is. So thank you, Nicole and Melissa. Thank you so much for being on this show. It was amazing having you. Um, super excited about what you're doing. Um, thank you very much for having me. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah we're really excited to be here. Cool. I, yeah. I have, yeah, we get to do another show about like all the other things you're doing with the edgy <laughs> table. And then maybe we'll have you back on when the books are out. Cause I, I I'm excited to hear how that goes. Thank you. That would be lots of fun. And really quickly, I want to, I have to do a shout out to Kyle because we would not have a podcast if it were not for me sitting down with Mr. Kyle Anderson <laughs> and a brew pub for about there three hours and me picking his brain about all things podcasts so that's true thank we you sat at, kyle we, we did we sat at great basin brewing one night and we did talk we about go. that so so shocker see thank beer, you. that's how this podcast came about because <laughs> of beer so and ours too apparently yeah yes. well, yeah <laughs> 
So, well, I appreciate, I appreciate the shout out and I'm so happy to see uh, it come to fruition at this point because it was just an idea when we were talking. So I'm happy to hear that it's, it's come where it is. So, and of course, listeners, thank you for your support and listening. And until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on. <laughs>